Welcome to the Fansmanship.com podcast, coming to you from San Luis Obispo, California. Where you stand? Welcome to this going on break edition of the fansmanship.com podcast along with Chris Sylvester, Owen Main here. It is, I don't know what day it is of the lockdown officially, maybe like in the high teens or something like that. Chris, how you been, man? Uh, well, you know, it, 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 it's either the high teens or the high hundreds, right? I mean, it kind of feels like that. Uh, but no, I mean, it's, we've, we've gotten used to it a little bit more. I think, I, I think I speak for a, a majority of people. I, I think we went on lockdown, you and I, Owen, before. Uh, a lot of others did, but we're starting to see things shut down just about just about everywhere. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it's it's just a day by day type of thing, like with 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 the news that you read and all the projections. I mean, you know, a lot of these headlines can be scary. And, you know, I think I think that more and more people are taking this seriously. There's still a good chunk of people that aren't um, that, that hopefully soon will. Uh, that being said. Um, you know, I, 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 it's, it's a day to day thing, Owen, yeah. as you know, yeah. it's not, yeah. I'm not, I, you know, at the beginning we didn't, we've never been through anything like this. So we didn't know to, to treat this as okay, well, uh, it's only going to suck for a month. And then it was, oh, it's only going to suck for two months. And then you start reading some of the headlines and the projections and then you read other stuff that that's a little more positive. And so it's, it's, it, it's just, it's not something that, you know, I mean, maybe it is something that we go through again in our lifetime but yeah there's a there's a decent likelihood that it isn't because if you just look at history and the way things have gone with with pandemics and stuff in the past that you know this severe um you know they're kind of far and few especially worldwide you know yeah uh, pandemic so Uh, yeah um, it's it's interesting i think a lot of us have have gotten a lot smarter when it comes to health and and what this virus actually does there's still a lot of people yeah. out there like well it's just this just a bad flu uh, <laughs> it's it's gotten to the point where uh and maybe maybe you were doing this at the at the jump but like even when i get gas i'm wearing gloves everywhere I, if i need to get gas or if i need to go to the grocery store right or if i need right. to, to run somewhere to drop something off pick something up um it, it's it's full gloves um and who knows if maybe a mask is going to get added to that in the future. I don't think so, because all the health experts say that that's not necessary. But we'll, we'll see, man. It's it's just a it's just a weird time. And, and it's like I think I've been more hyped on on like college basketball transfers and recruiting right now <laughs> than ever you're on before. That, because you're on that uh, you're on that board, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just I mean, it's <laughs> it's like I want access to the transfer portal so bad. And you know that <laughs> it's like <laughs> we both we it, both wouldn't mind. I, I tell you that. Yeah. absolutely. Uh, anyway, I mean, it's just trying to I mean, you, you and I are sports guys and it's it's you know, it's one thing to take away sports, you know, go on a vacation for a week or something like that or even a right. couple weeks. But um, it's it's uh, it's 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 a it's a trying time, especially, you know, I think this is our first podcast we've had since you know, the start of, you know, what would have been Major League Baseball. And it was it was in a way kind of cool to see all the replays on. But it also kind of hurt because it was like, wow, like 
you know, you think about opening day and as a baseball fan, that magical feeling of opening day, even if you're not there, you know, just watching opening day, like, like people care about the Marlins facing off against the Brewers on opening day, just because it's opening day. And yep. everybody, has, everybody has, yeah. right. Everybody has hope on opening day. And, and yeah. it's like, man, um, who knows when we'll, we'll get a sport back here in America, but I tell you what, it, you know, when that day comes, because it will, um, it's, it's, it's going to be sweet until then. Um, we're, we're, we're happy about this podcast because it feels like every show we're, we're getting a new perspective from a new athlete or a new media personality or photographer, somebody that has something to do with something in sports. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to keep this thing going. Yeah, of course, we got Bud Norris coming on in a little bit. You know, when you talk about sports, one of the things that I had a good time doing was going through some old pictures. I actually went through some old pictures from 2013, 2014 men's basketball season at Cal Poly, um, the NCAA tournament team. I think that was 13, 14. Um, and, uh, and a couple of uh, a week or so ago, I, I posted a pretty long story with some of the pictures that I had taken and my friend Will, um, who was shooting for me at the time, he was actually our wedding photographer and a guy who I went to high school with, kind of random, um, down in Orange County. Um, but uh, he used to take pictures for me back before when I just wrote, <laughs> and uh, and and he would go to games in Southern California. He shot the the UCLA Cal Poly the the upset at Poly Pavilion that uh, the Mustangs won too back in the day. Anyway, I was looking through old pictures and it was kind of fun to like create an Instagram story about that whole experience. And I got. Uh, you know, Chris Eversley and um, and some of the players from the team were like, you know, hitting me back. Oh, that was so cool. Like, da, da, da. And it was kind of fun to just kind of reminisce. Uh, I guess you got to take advantage of that opportunity that we have now. But back, you know, back to the reason why it's happening in the first place. Why do I have time to do that? It's because there's no games right now. And I and I'm, um, you know, no baseball, no anything. And uh, and so it's uh, it's it's been an interesting time. You know, on a personal note, my parents are both like almost 70. And so. I've had to kind of chastise and chide them a little bit. They, they texted me a you know week, week and a half ago. Oh yeah, we stood in line at Costco this morning because they had toilet paper there. I'm you know I'm like, come on, you guys, like if you need something, just tell me or my brother or my sister, and we can go out and get it for you if we need to. Um, my brother is not super immunocompromised, like you know I have asthma and my sister does too, but my brother doesn't, and my wife could go get it. And so I was I had to like uh, be the older brother, but also kind of the parent for a minute with my parents and it was it was a little bit of a uh, a friction thing and i'm sure that's not the, i'm not the only one who's who's kind of going through that situation with parents who are baby boomers um you know my my mom was born in 1950 and my dad was born in 52 and so you know you're talking about people who are almost 70 and um and don't like to be told what to do that's like the that's like probably the one of the top characteristics of baby boomers right is that they went through the 60s and you know the man was telling them what to do and they didn't want to be told what to do and you know they kind of haven't let go of that identity i guess which is really interesting right. you know some some generations have you know a really staunch identity and and i think baby boomers for sure do i'm not sure that um you know i think millennials are kind of a generation that has a pretty hardcore identity but maybe like generation x and i guess i'm i'm technically in kind of the xennial which is the in-between 
uh, Generation X and Millennials, but um, but it's been interesting to kind of see how different um, people who've interacted with the world and grown up in essentially slightly different worlds have been have been interacting with this virus as well. You know, I, I see people who I follow. You know, I follow a lot of young people on Instagram in terms of you know athletes and other people, and, and I've seen people both congregating and and yelling at others for not congregating. So it's um it's it's kind of interesting to see the wide swath. But you know, my parents were just going stir crazy. My dad tries to ride his bike up and down Highway One. You know, which is great because um, it's solitary. But um, but I had to I had to give him and my mom both like why, and why do you guys both have to go? And then my mom goes, Yeah, I stopped at McDonald's just for coffee. I'm like, Are you are you kidding me right now? <laughs> I'm like, Are you serious, mom? Like they went to farmers market, which again, like whatever. I get that you got to get food, but then she's like, she's like, my dad facetimed me and he's, he's like yeah your mom's inside getting coffee he was almost like telling on her but it was like what are you guys doing right now um and and it's of course you know we're all mad because we want our people to be around after this thing you know it's going to be a hard you know eight weeks ten weeks you know 70 weeks i don't know it i i have like i like i've told you before i have um kind of some some uh pessimism i guess in terms of what we're going to be able to do to get back to normal at some point but um i did go on a run today and i will say that getting outside was a fantastic way to kind of beat the blues and um i felt really good and i you know made my lungs work and i'm you know i talk about being asthmatic and i've been kind of like i don't know like meek i guess or like sitting at home being like oh i hope it doesn't get me but i gotta like exercise and i gotta get my lungs going you know exercise induced asthma you got to act still exercise is the thing so um here we are in kind of a weird world right um yeah so anyway i just thought i'd tell that share, share that thing about my parents because it's really just a you know probably not i'm probably not the only one who's going through it right and um, we're trying to all make the best of this thing and um and one thing that i was telling somebody today is we have this opportunity to get in touch with and reach out to people who we might not normally be able to this time of the year. You uh, mentioned that um, that it's the beginning of the baseball season and theoretically baseball players would be playing if they're in the professional ranks. And of course, uh, you know, we're close to, to Cal Poly and, and Cal Poly has a alum who's been a pitcher, who's a you know veteran pitcher in the league, Bud Norris, who is going to join us in a couple minutes here. Uh, Bud's pitched for the Astros and Orioles and uh, was on the Dodgers for a minute and other teams, um, and and was in the Phillies yeah, you camp. Can't forget, you can't you can't forget his stint with the Angels. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, the Angels. I I went and uh, I hung out with our. I, I interviewed him in the Angels uh, clubhouse uh, at in Tempe, uh, like maybe two years ago, um, two or three years ago, before he uh, took the mound um, in a game against the Dodgers. I guess I did, it was kind of a weird situation. I had supposed I was supposed to interview him the day before. Um, I, I got to him and, um, and for whatever reason, um, wasn't able to, um, I don't know if it was like a snafu with my pass or there was something going on there. Anyway, I got a pass for the next day and I didn't even think to ask, like, was he starting that day? I got there real early cause I do. And I got down to the, you know, to the locker room and he's like, yeah, I, I gotta go get ready though. I was like, get ready. He's like, yeah, I'm starting to, oh crap. Like I usually wouldn't try to talk to a guy on a day he was starting, but there we were. It was spring training. He was super cool about it. And uh, he actually, uh, there, there's sometimes like a mixer out there too. And so he was at that thing for uh, for Cal Poly players who are in spring training. There's usually, you know, a half a dozen or a dozen guys who have played for the Mustangs who are out there. So Bud's a really good guy. And um, I'm interested to hear what he has to say about all this. Um, 
or yeah, and uh, and go from there. Um, so we're going to come back and we are going to talk with Bud Norris uh, about what it's like being a professional baseball player during the coronavirus pandemic. We'll be back on the fansmanship.com podcast. We're here with Bud Norris, uh, former Cal Poly Mustang and also uh, pitcher for the Philadelphia Phillies, um, at least until a few weeks ago when nobody's a pitcher for anybody anymore. <laughs> um, we are at a standstill. And uh, so we wanted to kind of get some insight into uh, into what it was like there in, in Florida for uh for uh, somebody who's a major league baseball player, you know, working on on getting ready for the season, and all of a sudden everything comes to a halt here uh, on the you know coronavirus break. That we're calling this the going on break edition of the podcast here, uh, bud. So right. you can picture it. So um, so if if you can, can you kind of take us through? I guess the the talk around the clubhouse, the talk around um, kind of what 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 was happening leading up there, kind of the feeling in terms of. Um, you know, whether, whether things were going to stop or not, how sudden kind of did this all seem when, when word came down a few weeks ago that, you know, everything's going to get paused? Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I, I love yeah. my Cal Poly family dearly. You guys are the best. You always uh, feel free to reach out, love doing stuff like this, but, uh, yeah, it was a, a, a pretty quick change of events. Um, you know, things had, uh, transpired down in spring training as normal go. Um, I got down there right around February 8th or 9th. Uh, with a dear friend, Jake Arietta and his family. And I had settled into my home with my wife and our two dogs. Uh, we had, you know, obviously spring training for pitchers and catchers. The first couple of weeks is, is truly just pitchers and catchers and, and not a lot of on-field activity except for throwing. And they went into our live EPs and I had about three, probably three live appearances and then three game appearances. But uh, the first kind of wind I got out of, I got of it was like uh, right around my birthday. My birthday was March 2nd, and we were kind of getting notions of this coronavirus thing kind of you know, obviously starting in China and infiltrating through Europe and, and heading this way. Um, so we kind of had ideas and scares from afar, but nothing was, you know, on our home soil. So it didn't re- you know, resonate as much. But that being said, once we got wind from trainers and staff and front office people, obviously seeing it coming uh, a mile away and coming really quickly. Um, it was one sudden Thursday, I believe it was, is that they had halted all spring training games. And in their conclusion, the Arizona guys didn't get a chance to play, play spring training games. And we were just at a complete standstill. Absolutely. Everything shut down. Baseball had shut down. I mean, we, we had nothing. They said, hey, guys, as of right now, everything is in, in flux and everything is canceled. As far as we know, spring training is canceled and we're going to get you information as we go. So truly the information came out, you know, whether it be every, every hour, or every like six hours or every other morning you check. Uh, it happened all probably about in a five, six day stretch before I like had wind of it. And then before the time we had picked up my wife and my family and, and got out of Clearwater to get back to Austin. So it was it was pretty darn quick. And uh, the the thing in the clubhouse was like everybody at first was like, well, how serious is this? And then once you start getting the medical notes and everybody's saying, you know, stand six feet apart away and, you know, 10 people or less in, in any spe- special event or small event is kind of what the guidelines were. We we kind of understood that, you know, sports were 
definitely in that, not in that ballpark. We definitely weren't, didn't meet that criteria. So that being right. said, it, uh, it happened super right. fast. And, uh, you know, it was definitely still kind of on pause. We're still kind of waiting to see what happens from here. Hey, Bud, uh, what was the process like in, in getting to where you are now in Hawaii? Was that, you know, when, when the rumors started that, hey, maybe spring training was going to be suspended, did, did you and your wife have a conversation of, hey, maybe that's going to be our go-to spot, that's where we're going to spend quarantine, or, or, or was it just kind of a on-the-spot, last-minute decision after Major League Baseball had suspended activities? Yeah, everything kind of came up in conversation because it was more along the lines like, what's the best decision for our family? I mean, at first it was like, hey, I want to stay in Clearwater to resume my baseball activities because we, we didn't know the, the longevity of this. And I think that's the still the scariest part for all of our uh, standpoints is like we don't know how long this is going to last and when we're going to get back to you know normal civilization. So once I was kind of like told by the team and personnel, say, hey, it's time to pick up and, and go home, like. They didn't want us there anymore for the liability on themselves. So it was like, all right, let's go home. So once we got home, we were there for a few days and, and obviously speaking with her family and her sister and everything. We, we also had a little leg up because I was in Florida, but we were talking to a lot of people on the West Coast and everything that's going on in San Francisco and L.A. and, and uh, things of that nature. And we kind of had some tidbits of, of a lot of the you know executive firms and on companies in San Francisco that were advising personnel to stay home through the course of March. You know, so once I heard that notion and I was in Florida, I was like, wow, this is big news. So when I got back to Austin, we had been in Austin for a mere 24, 48 hours before we had already been talking to our family. And it was like, as long as we can get on a commercial flight safely and get out, let's do it. So we ended up picking up and going. And let me tell you, it was a really weird, you know, airport run. You know, it was more as far as like four cars and, you know, no more than six people on my flight. So. It happened wow. super fast, and, and we're still kind of, you know, seeing the, the aftermath. Six people on a big plane to Hawaii. That's that's pretty wild. I, I know you have some Bay Area roots. Um, as this thing was happening, obviously, you've seen what's, you know, kind of San Francisco has been one of the harder hit kind of places, especially early on in terms of, um, you know, early, I, I guess, early staying home, <laughs> uh, per what you said earlier. Um, yeah. What 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 have you heard in terms of, you know, that city? And I know obviously cities like New York and Los Angeles, Seattle has been hit really hard. What, what, what have you heard from your hometown in terms of the Bay Area and and um, and and what's it like kind of watching them go through that from afar as well? It's been difficult, um, especially as my own immediate family. Um, I, I wish I could be there and, you know, hands on and, and do anything to aid. But at that same token, like the only thing we're being told is to stay away. Right. So that's really hard knowing that my dad's 70 and my mom's, you know, still 30 in her eyes. <laughs> so uh, I can't tell, yeah. I can't tell her real age, you know, but truly is like, I can't go home to even help them in that cause. So it's, it, that's, you know, disheartening. And then for my friends that literally live within San Francisco, it's like, they really are almost, I, I know my really best man at my wedding, he basically grabbed a lot of his stuff and tried to get up to Marin and see his folks house and try and be there for a little bit. But, you know, everybody's just trying to hunker down. Um, getting food seems to be a struggle at the grocery stores and a lot of people yep. are, you know, like trying to revert from that and not go there. But then it's like getting accessible food is extremely difficult and you don't have Instacart. You don't have a lot of these means mm -hmm. that a lot of San Francisco people live by. You know, I was mm -hmm. there myself and I know all those apps like caviar and stuff like that. So uh -huh. it's, it's definitely been a struggle and, and yeah. it's a scary time, but, uh, Everybody seems to be surviving. We, I haven't had many cases actually that have hit me like effectively 
uh, right. immediately as far as this. But um, right. like I said, I think it's still going to get a little bit worse before it gets better, which is the scary part, you know. Totally. Yeah, I was telling Chris earlier that uh, that my parents are both almost 70 and um, and just, you know, th- them texting me a week ago and being like, oh, yeah, we just went to like farmer's market or <laughs> like, oh, yeah, we, yeah. you know, we're, we waited in line at Costco. And I'm like, are you guys serious right now? Like, what do you guys and, and you know, that generation, they don't like being told what to do, man. And um, right. And it's really hard and interesting, uh, you know, to, to try to get them to uh, <laughs> to fall in line and do what's best, you know, for them uh, along the way, too. When you talk about something that's very age, um, I don't know, age age affected you know um so yeah my my mom's mom is 86 and my grandpa is 89 and so you know my grandma's been taking care of my grandpa for years and and she loves it that's what that's kind of how that's how they tick you know and that's what keeps her going which is a healthy thing but same thing i spoke to her a couple days ago she's like yeah i go to the grocery store you know on tuesdays and thursdays i'm like well grandma can you just really try to grab everything on tuesday she's like what do you mean you know, it's still like, yes, they're very naive to the entire situation. Yeah, totally. They're very hard, very hard headed and saying they're not going to change their, you know, weekly, daily routine. And that's the scary part because we just don't know how it's being spread and something so right. simple. Like, you don't yeah. you just don't know where it is. And it could be at any totally. Whole Foods or Safeway. And like, that's, that's the disheartening and you know, disturbing part is that we just don't know where it is, how long it's going to be here and when it's going to end. Absolutely. So um, my, my yeah. focus has just been to continue to work out. Like I'm always taking yeah, so, care of my yeah. body. That's kind of, that comes with the territory. Um, but I think the, the best part that I've been able to, to take away with my own mom and dad is that this is a, a time for families to be together and get to know each other and, and build lasting bonds and just kind of fight through the struggle together and, and so, hopefully so, come out of it greener. Yeah. So what do you do as a professional athlete? Obviously, you know, you're, you're ramping up your, your arm. I mean, spring training is a, is a ritual <laughs> that, you know, there's a, there's a certain way to do it when you're a pitcher. There's yeah. a certain process to go through. Hey, this is my first, you know, my, my first appearance is, you know, an inning or something like, you know, what, what, whatever it is, you know, you, you want to ramp up to be able to pitch as much and as, and with as much intensity as you need to, to pitch in a major league game. So, uh, so what does that look like for you in terms of, you know, the ability to, um, to keep yourself, um, to keep yourself going? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'll definitely break it down in two parts. And, and I guess the first part for me is that um, spring training, as much as you alluded to, is exactly that. It's a very controlled environment. And every day is like a, almost a set number of throws that I know, and or at least my body knows that I'm trying to build up to every day to build up that strength. And, and that takes time. That takes a mere, you know, on the low end, six weeks and on the long end, eight to nine weeks. So that's why you know, truly when the first of the year comes, I pick up a baseball middle of January and I end, end up getting the spring training middle of February. So I, I'm, I've built up some arm strength, but I haven't done a lot of it on the mound. But then when you're doing all this mound work, yeah, it's taking, there are a lot more exhausting bullets, as they would say. It's a lot more uh, body fatigue and, and, and maintenance on your shoulders. So and that was the dis- difficult part is knowing that we've all shut that down. So even the starters, starters go through, starting pitchers, just to clarify, they go through spring training on a whole other regime where it's like they're building up such a big, heavy work uh, pitch load and work count. So it's like 100 pitches. So their first time in spring training, they'll go out and throw one inning, and it might be a, a controlled 25, 30 pitches, no more. And then their next outing, will, which will be in five days, there'll be a, a two-inning simulated or whatever, and it's going to be like 45 to 60 pitches, no more. And then the third time, three innings, fifth time, you know, just an inning each time. So we had to stop in the middle of that process. 
So for myself right now, I'm a back-end reliever, and that is uh, the beauty in it is that I'm only out there trying to throw one inning at a time. So my throwing program off the mound, I've definitely – I basically shut that down. I've continued my long toss program where it's been throw – I take, I've taken Saturdays and Mondays off and I've thrown basically every other day, just a long distance to about a hundred feet, 120 feet. And I'm not trying to fatigue myself. This is just a modified right now. Um, but then once we get word that we're going to go back to work and things are going to resume, I'm sure I'll get back on the mound. And I know starters will have to go through that same transition of building it back up. So, um, the phase two of that question is that how is major league baseball going to resume in the shortened season, because I know that baseball is going to get back going again. The country is going to need it at some point. If we could, you know, somehow find a way to cure this thing and get baseball rolling by July 4th, that would be huge for the economy and everything else. So that's kind of what I'm, you know, wishful thinking. But on, on phase two of that is that we need to have expanded rosters because the starting pitchers this year for whatever, however many games we get in, they're not going to be able to go complete games. It's just not going to happen. They, they don't have enough bullets and they're not, they're not going to be, most of them won't be built up. And I don't think it's fair to, to even put that on a young kid under the age of like 25, who's pretty much underdeveloped still in his, in his body. So that's just my own personal opinion, I guess. So, but they have spoken about expanded rosters. I think is something that they've definitely alluded to and, and agreed upon to like a 27 man roster as if we've already added one to 26, potentially even 30. So, but once again, this is all speculation on, on when we resume and how many games we're going to get in. And, and, but the, the reasoning and the rationing behind that is to, to eliminate injury and to make sure that all the, all of us are taken care of too. But what, what's it been like talking to uh, some of the other, you know, players that you've either played with or, or just know from being in the game and around the game for such a long time. I know you, you just went over, uh, what what pitchers uh, what a lot of pitchers are doing right now, especially uh, back end relievers at, at the, this juncture of the shutdown. But who are some other guys that you keep in touch with, um, you know, on almost a day to day basis? And and how are they dealing with this? Yeah, I mean, I'm in contact with a lot of buddies throughout the league that are you know still playing and whatnot. But I'll be honest, most of my buddies are definitely pitchers. We just kind of common ground, I guess. So. We have a close circle in Austin, Texas, which is where I laid my hat. Um, but in, in the offseason, I throw with Jake Arrieta, uh, Zach Britton of the New York Yankees, and uh, Nick Vincent of uh, the uh, San Francisco Giants. And uh, so I've spoken to those guys a little bit. Um, uh, in regards to Nick, he was out in Arizona, and I knew it was a lot harder for him to pick up his wife and his young and, and get them out. But he's back home now, and he has a uh, he has a baby girl and a baby boy, and so – He's like, but I'm on lockdown. Like, I'm not even going out of the house. Like, I'm not throwing. I have my own. He has this thing in his backyard, so he's been doing that. But on other lines like that, Britain's uh, slowed down his throwing program. He's kind of on lockdown with his family. He's got two young boys. Um, and then Jake Arietta was out here in Hawaii for a little bit um, when he got out of Florida, but he went back to Austin now. So he's on with his family, and they're kind of on lockdown too. But everybody's just kind of riding the wave. Nobody's you know, making big decisions or making irrational answers right now. We're all kind of in this together in this hunker down environment and just kind of trying to, trying to stay positive. But uh, I know guys are definitely taking care of their bodies and, and trying to, to be with their families. But um, the, the wishful thinking and the positive feeling is that we're going to get back together and, and get this going again. And, and we'll be the, the forefront guys to, to really you know, get some momentum for the country, hopefully.
But I know you're uh, somebody who, who thinks about things, um, you know, thinks ahead. Um, one of the things we've been asking everybody we've had on uh, this version of the podcast is the same question here. And it is when we come back, um, when things resume, because eventually they will, whether it's, you know, July 4th would be radical, um, you know, whether yeah. it's the fall, whether it's next spring when there's a vaccine, hopefully, you know, like w w whatever that actually looks like. Um, what is one thing that you think could or should be different about the sports world? Like it could be a rule. It could be a scheduling thing. It could be a way that somebody goes about doing something. What is one thing that, you know, because of this shutdown, we've maybe been able to evaluate or you've been able to think about, and I'm going to explain it in a long-winded way so you have a minute to think about it, but like what's, what's one thing about baseball or I guess sports in general that you think, um, maybe could change or we could see maybe a little bit different, uh, you know, on, on our way back to whatever normalcy is going to be after this thing. Hmm. Uh, that's a great question. Difficult one at that. Um, like, like, like for basketball, you know, like there's that like scoring system, maybe they implement something with that, you know, in, in actual real games, you know, the one they did in the all-star game, um, you know, like a weird, a weird basketball, like scoring system, or, you know, is there something about the way that, you think people are going to be, you know, treating each other? Is there something about, you know, the way that 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 people are going to interact with each other? I mean, it could be, you know, I I think about like, you know, high fives and handshakes. Like, what's that going to yeah. be like? You know, like I everybody's got their routines, everybody's got their rituals, and are those rituals now, you know, uh, 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 lathered in in hand sanitizer? I don't know. No, I hope it doesn't get to that degree. I, I hope that, you know, when we do find a vaccination and a cure for this, that, you know, we can get back to our normalcy. I hope that, you know, ways that we can come all come together and, and, and find ways to prevent this going forward. And then, like, in case in an emergency event, if something happens that we have a system in place that gets everybody, A, to their quarantine place uh, immediately because, as much as I saw it firsthand in, in Clearwater Beach, Florida, where spring breakers were still having a really good time when I'm trying to get out and get myself to quarantine lockdown, it felt like uh, some took it more serious than others. And I felt like, in my opinion, from everyone I was hearing in California, it was taken a whole lot more seriously than the people that I were out in Florida, just where I was, just in my re remote location. And the, right. way, the way I say that is because my wife was with me and she was in Austin, Texas, talking about the grocery store being depleted. And then when she flew out to back out to Clearwater to be with me for spring training, she went to a, a Whole Foods or a grocery store there in Clearwater and it was completely full. So uh -huh. like, I just felt uh -huh. like I guess I guess my my notion is that you would hope that Major League Baseball, NBA, all all major sports, all all, all major organizations, all companies can have a you know national crisis um, situation put in place into their, you know, manual or booklet. Like, Hey, if something like this happens, your, your number one first response is to grab all of your work, essential work needs and go home to be home with your family and, and, and have a lasting supply of water and canned food for at least a week. Maybe, maybe you, there's something, you know, yeah. something. Yeah, how do you feel lines. like, how do you feel like, you know, you're talking about companies having a plan. How do you feel like, uh, baseball's kind of, um, you know, responded implemented continues to respond how you know is, is is their response kind of what you expect or or um you know on on, on the level that you hope for it's, it seems like it was pretty swift once it happened oh no I, I think it was i think i think the players association was on it i think major league baseball was on it and and that makes me really proud to say because we didn't take it lightly they were very very serious they were getting a lot of information from the nba 
as they were in the midst of their season. So I think they took the appropriate action of shutting us down and getting us home as quickly as possible. But that being said, the, the information was there. They got it out quickly. And uh, I just, when we have some time to, to come out of this and to, to find some resolve, you're right. I hope we can find a way to implement some other things that can help, you know, cool this situation. Like you said, all of us going home immediately and, and quarantining ourselves is, yeah. is truly the best cause of action. Maybe that's the best thing we could implement going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was daydreaming today as I was walking. Cause I, I don't have anything to think about anymore without sports. And, um, and uh, so I was walking my dog and I was thinking about the, uh, the cool, like, um, no touch, uh, football end zone celebrations that we're going to see, you know, in terms of like, uh, guys, guys doing like a six foot, you know, six foot end zone dance or something like that. I don't know. Um, that was, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of where my head was. Yeah, like everybody's doing Macarena from six feet and they're in exact bubbles and long distance high fives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but 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 our our pitchers our pitchers still gonna lick their fingers before before they they get on the mound. Absolutely. Is that be a thing oh yeah, that's. I mean, I need that tack. I need that. I need that feel. That ball. Trust me, Tom Brady's gonna do it. We all do it. Yeah, it's 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 crazy to think about like um, how much we come in contact with other people's germs. It's uh, it's been a little bit. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of one of those things that shakes you a little bit um, yeah. on some level too. You're like, oh man, I, I guess I guess when I do play basketball, I guess you know, I, I got everybody's germs on me and they got mine on them. It's uh, well, I, I mean, personal hygiene. I mean, I'm yeah. big on it. Every time I go out and work out, I'm immediately going to the shower. Like I won't even go kiss my wife. Almost like I think that was that's who I was to a T. Is like I shower three, four times a day. I don't always wash my hair for those people that care. You know, <laughs> about that, but I, I truly, you know, I truly, you know, I'm big on personal hygiene and I think that's huge. I think little kids can really learn from this and especially in kindergarten. I think it's something that we can implement at a younger age, like how important it is to, you know, to be clean and to use hand sanitizer and wash your hands and, you know, and also like be aware of your, your senses. So if it's a good cough and sneeze and, or you have a big high fever, don't, don't be afraid to ask somebody, you know? Right, right. That's interesting. Right. Can, can you think of anything that's been like this weird, uh, career-wise, or just in your oh, lifetime? Oh yeah, you ready? Been, like... You ready? I got okay. it. I got the perfect. Okay. So everybody talked about like, oh, why don't we just play games with no fans? Or the NBA was going to play games with no fans. Well, yeah. Uh, I I was fortunate enough. I don't know if that's the word, but uh, I w- was on the Baltimore Orioles in the 2014-2015 season. I yep. believe it was 15 when yep. there was the Baltimore riots. And, oh yeah. Uh, we played the major league baseball game with no fan attendance. Oh, so you have, you have done that. So, so tell me I have, how, no, did, did you pitch with no fans? Nuts. No, I didn't pitch in the game, which was really kind of cool. So I'll try to give you the quick version, but I remember we were in Baltimore playing the Chicago White Sox. Yeah. And I remember that game ended up getting played on a Thursday night, but right. it was actually scheduled like a Wednesday day game. And I remember like I had to throw my bullpen on Tuesday and we kind of got wind that things were going on. So my bullpen coach goes, hey, do you mind if we come early to the ballpark and throw your bullpen at like, say, 10 a.m. on Tuesday Uh compared to like Uh 4 p.m. on Tuesday? Uh I was like, Uh no problem. So I go into Baltimore, I throw my bullpen and there's like shit's going on. So he's like, get in your car, go home. So we go home. The game gets canceled Tuesday night. Game gets canceled Wednesday. Or no, excuse me, gets canceled Wednesday. So they come to the ration like, hey, they're going to play the game Thursday. And then they're going to fly the team out so that we, as in the Baltimore Orioles, were not around this. Like, they didn't right. want us to be in the city while all right. this was going on. At all. You know? Right, right, right. So that's why we played that game. We had to play that game. So right. they rescheduled it for Thursday night. And so we played like a Thursday night. I think it was like a 4 or 5 o'clock game. We're, we're scheduled start time. And yeah. I know we were playing the White Sox. So it was Jeff Samarjo was pitching, and I 
100% remember Chris Davis hit like a grand slam in the wall in the first inning. And I literally had been in the dugout for the entire inning. And I just yell at the top of my lungs when he hits this grand slam, like, Oh, you know, like crushed it. And, but, <laughs> but I felt like I was the only person and I felt like I erupted in a library and people, even my own dugout was kind of looking at me like, Oh, you're not supposed to do that. Like this, you know, it's kind of like, don't cheer right now. Like this is still like surreal, you know? And yeah. so that was really, really like, I remember playing that whole game, which was really, really weird. I remember just looking up in the press box and you just saw like every media outlet and their mother. It was like right. a full of like 300 people, but like nobody was in a, a, like a fan seat, you know? Right. Right. And, and then the one comical thing is that in between innings, we'd go back out on defense and Chris Davis, the first baseman would be throwing the ground balls, you know, the second baseman, the shortstop uh-huh. and the third baseman. And then the inning, yeah, we're getting ready to start the inning. And so instead of throwing the ball into the dugout, he would always throw it to a little kid in the stands and make his absolute day, you know? So Uh here you see Chris Davis just absolutely lobbing this ball 40 yards into the air and it just lands in the middle of the stands with nobody there. (laughs) So he kept up that that routine. Yeah, exactly. He didn't didn't change up his routine. He just threw it in the stands and nobody was there. It's just like, it was very, very surreal. And we we ended up winning the game big and then got on the flight, got out of there. But let's, let's again, never thought that would happen in my career. And, and it did, you know, and it and it could again. Right. I mean, who, you, you, we, we don't really know how this is all going to how this is all going to play out. I always think it's interesting to think about, like, you know, the opportunities as a photographer when there's nobody in the stands. I have nobody to be in their way. And I have all kinds of interesting angles that I could get of, of the game, you know, that that we never get mm-hmm. a chance to, to really see. It's it's funny you mentioned the 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 cheering thing because i would imagine at a major league level you don't really have to be loud because it's not like the guy on the field could necessarily hear the difference between you yelling or the guy sitting right next to the dugout you know the fan yelling as loud as they can either so so that's that's such a funny and an interesting story in terms of uh playing that way And, and i guess i guess you know when when safety and health are uh are are paramount you gotta you gotta think about things that way chris are you are you there still I, I gotta, I gotta ask, but was there walk-up music? And was there a seventh? <laughs> it was, was there a seventh-inning stretch? You know, take me out to the ball game. Was, was that played? No, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it was. There was walk-out music, and there was a seventh-inning stretch. They played it just like a normalcy because, and I think the reason they did that is because there was actually fans at the gates. Like fans came to the stadium and were like on the outside lockout gates. So like, imagine center field where you can still kind of get a glimpse of home plate. There was right. definitely like, you know, 40 or 50 people out there. So I, I, I want to say that the Jumbotron was on, the lights were on, everything went completely as is and uh, or as would have been normal, but uh, no fans in the seats. Right on. Well, that's that's actually, you know, I, I, I didn't come into this thinking I was going to talk to you about a thing that was even close to this. You know, most people are just like, nah, man, I, I've never seen anything like this. There's nothing been never been anything weird. But uh but I think that that definitely qualifies, and um, and you may be the only person that we talk to who has anything close to that in terms of the sports world. Um, you know, we're just all really hoping we can get back as soon as possible. What do you think the What do you think the ramp up would be if if you guys if if there was a target of July fourth, let's say, what what would it take for you guys as pitchers and hitters and and you know would, would there there'd obviously have to be some kind of spring training ahead of time, whatever that yeah. looked like. What what the, uh... What would that be? Would Sorry, that be a couple of weeks? No, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the the early preliminary talks have been like a two, three-week modified spring training. Um, the only thing we were trying to decide that we have to is that uh, whether we would go back to Clearwater 
and have our own camp and play just against Phillies. Because as you guys know, like we start spring training with some like 60, 70 guys, and then we get down to a 25 man roster. So we could essentially a option a go to Clearwater beach, Florida, do spring training and do spring training just against ourselves. Like just Phillies on Phillies, you know, double A versus the big league team or whatever. Right. Option B go to Clearwater, Florida and do that type of spring training, but do our normal spring training where we go play the rays and the pirates and the Orioles, you know, but and same thing, just normal right. games. Right, right, right. Yeah. or, and then like with fans, without fans, you know, most likely right. without. And then option right. C that we were talking about would be to fly to Philadelphia and then just do the modified spring training in Philadelphia. Same thing with your home, young kids, in your own controlled environment, and then say if we had a start date, we we go right on July fourth. July fourth. But once once we get a start date, we'll we'll know because a lot of guys will be somewhere in the middle of their throwing program where it should take too much time to ramp it up. But it's like the starters are the ones you got to be careful of. Um, so, so they're right. talking about a modified two three week spring training. So right, right, and then and then obviously the roster expansion would be something that if you're only going to do a couple weeks of spring training, then expand the roster so that guys don't have to go, you know, more than three or four innings, you know, by the time the the actual season rolls around, um, so that they can build back up to whatever it is. Um, man, that that would be that would be fantastic. I'll, I'll I'm going to keep my uh, I, I told Chris beforehand I was a little bit I'm a little bit pessimistic about everything in terms of the sports world, but man, I can't imagine what a Fourth of July uh you know would look like with with baseball i mean that's TV. that's obviously me in that positive, positive <laughs> sure approach, man the optimistic hey, yeah. approach saying yeah that's, that's, take that it. would be a day to do it and that would be a day to get some real good morale behind it you know but i, yeah. I think i think it would be incredible if if, if and when we defeat this because i know we will that we get to go back to that because once again in my opinion three hours at a baseball game with your dad was the coolest thing to do when i was a kid so i hope we can all come back to slowing the world down a little bit, enjoying some time with our own families and friends, our, our immediate people, and, uh, you know, enjoying every minute of the day together, you know? Yeah. Hey, when was the last time you are back in slow? I missed it this off season. Uh, I had right. so much going on at the house. Uh, but right. I was there two off seasons ago before the wedding. So uh, right. I'm, I'm in touch. I talked to Coach Lee this morning. Uh, Did catching you? up on Brooks. Oh, yeah. Catching up on Brooks. He wanted to get some things talk about um and then um talked to ashley the other day i'm always talking to robin baggett up at alpha omega winery in napa yeah, yeah. My buddy so yeah, I got my, nice. and then uh you know i keep i have a text message which is probably one of my best like text message threads with like my when i was probably a freshman or sophomore like uh-huh. that group of baseball team we have like 15 16 of us on uh on a, a thread i can't tell you the name of the thread <laughs> But uh, it's a fun text group. So if any of those boys are listening, you know who you are. And uh, I I miss Slowtown so much. You know, I miss. Yeah. Uh, this is this is the time to be there. Like I think Cal Poly's and San Luis Obispo has a, a great approach in uh, in community and neighborhood and knowing that neighbor. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, and they were just getting ready to open up that new uh, that new clubhouse, too. And uh, and I guess they got plenty of time to finish it at this point with the season being being done for for those collegiate kids. Did you, I guess just today they uh, the NCA voted to give the, the seniors, I guess, an extra an extra year, year of eligibility should should they need it. Um, so um, that'll be that'll be interesting to see how everybody approaches that. And um, obviously that's man, I would love to be talking about that instead of uh, how to how to avoid getting this. Uh, this virus, but but I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know I know you're busy out there, even though uh, even though you got uh, you know no no baseball necessarily. You know how, how do you throw out there? Are, do, do you just like uh, toss against the wall? Um, you got like a 
do you have somebody out there who, who throws with you? No, uh, I have a local gentleman on the island. Uh, his uh-huh. name's Evan Yamaguchi. He's a uh-huh. local Hawaiian kid. He played collegiately baseball in North Dakota, and he's actually been playing professionally in Germany for the last year okay. or two. So unfortunately, uh-huh. his season got canceled too. But uh, when I was out here uh, over New Year's, um, I uh, got uh, linked up with him, and uh-huh. I went to his local high school and worked out with his little younger brother and, and did a bunch of, you know, throwing off bullpens and throwing long toss. And he also comes up my way and he's hung out at the pool with me. So I got a good little setup and a good throwing partner. It's kind of like my uh, little brother, and uh, nice. we love it. Nice. We got yeah, a. Uh... We, we, we got a Hawaiian kid on the uh, on the poly team this year. He's from obviously a different island, I think, than what you're on. I was going to say you should you should look him up, but you might have to get a boat to, to throw with him um, hey, or, or take, well, take a little puddle jumper or something like that. Who knows? I'd make it happen. I'd make it happen. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, bud, uh, we really appreciate it, man. Thanks again for, uh, for Thanks. chatting. Thanks uh, so much, bud. Always enjoy it. Yeah. Not a problem, guys. Reach out anytime, right? All right. Thanks so much, bud. Hey, thanks for listening to the Fansmanship Podcast. For more podcasts and more in-depth sports discussion, go to fansmanship.com. Well, I've been stuck on down in troubled town. It's a lonely place, it's true. Street lights so bright, they blind my vision. And the people on the streets, they beat me up till I'm black and blue. You lift me up to bring me down. You give your love to everyone around. You send me on my way to trouble town. Look if I find my way around trouble town. Santa